Welcome to the Grace College Podcast, a ministry of Grace Bible Church located in College Station, Texas. We desire to impact students who will impact the world for Christ. Hope you enjoy the talk and hang around for more after. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Gosh, thank you guys for leading us in that worship. Give me a hand. That's awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, if you have a Bible, jump into Colossians chapter 3, Colossians chapter 3, and you may look at that passage and say, Kevin, this has absolutely nothing to do with dating and relationships, and you would be right. Uh, And we're going to get to it at the end of our time together, but you can flip over to Colossians chapter 3, and I'm going to read a little bit for us, and then we will jump in, and I know this has nothing to do with relationships, but don't worry, it'll all become clear by the time we close out our time. So Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 1, let me read it for us. Now, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated, at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not the things that are on the earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you once walked, when you were living in them. Jump down to verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Watch this. Because I kissed I, I, I thought the cootie thing was true, but it's not. Because I kiss my mom all the time and I don't get cooties. A lot of the boys are very shy. And a lot of the girls are very talkative. Most of the boys have crushes on girls. Like, let's say this is a girl and this is a boy. My best friend, Michael. I promised to get him a wingman and he was my wingman. It's like, Wingman the wingman. Well, there's one boy that we know has a crush on. She has a crush on him. Everyone knows it. It's just they don't know it. Well, the one who picks on everybody, he he said it to me that he had a crush on me. Some boys are mean to girls when they like them, so they think they'll get hang around with them more. That's not the way to get them to like you back. You have to show respect of kindness. Me and my other couple friends, we went up to Ariella and we're like, talk to Ethan. So she said hi and they started talking and then we came up because she walked away and she said he said no and turned me down. So we're like, what? I think third grade girls are smarter. Most boys now in my class respect girls. Some boys just aren't like that. They think it's ill that kissing, but it's really a part of life, you know? Oh, how awesome is that? Oh, my goodness. Well, I will tell you this. Uh, we are excited to jump into this relational relationship series. And I'll tell you what, relationships are everywhere. And obviously, they even hit you when you're very young. I mean, it saturates our culture. Uh, Even in our music, our TV, our movies, our entertainment, it's all saturated with this emphasis on relationships. 
The other day I was sitting with my six-year-old daughter and we were talking about songs that we listen to and play and she said this to me along the lines of what these kids were saying. She's like, look, every song that a girl sings is about a boy. And I'm like, baby, you're right. But not just the girls, the guys too. I mean, pick an artist. Taylor Swift, Rihanna, Bruno Mars, Lady Annabellum with You Look Good or a- Andy Grammer with Fresh Eyes or One Direction. You know you ju- when you were in junior high, when One Direction kind of was climbing their way, when you were listening to those songs, you're like, he's singing to me. You know, like, and every one of us, it's in our music, it's surrounding us, this push towards relationships, but not just in the the songs we sing, the TV that we watch, it's astounding to me that The Bachelor and The Bachelorette are still going in seasons. We want to watch this relationship happen or fail, depending on what you're rooting for. And, and, and we see it right there. And not only that, in our movies. I remember years ago, I watched the movie Transformers, right? The movie Transformers, a story about intergalactic robots that land on Earth and fight other robots. What do you need to take that movie to the next level, gentlemen? A forced-in love interest. That's what you need, right? So we're going to put in Megan Fox, and we're going to put in this romantic little foray in the middle of this movie about Transformers hitting Earth. And you see it in our movies. Our entertainment is saturated. It's centered around relationships. This desire to couple off is in, in the, everything that entertains us, is in everything that we celebrate. But for a while, there's been a discussion that, that maybe marriage, maybe relationships, the way that we see them is an outdated institution. In fact, for a while, there was people going, maybe we're not going to get married as much. Maybe relationships aren't on the rise so much. And they did studies about that. And in 2013, according to Pew Research, they found that the average marriage age has risen from 27 to 29, from 23 to 26 in the 90s. I mean, that's not a long time ago, but the average age of coupling off is, is rising. And this clicked off, kicked off a fury of, of, of speculation. Are, are millennials not wanting to date? Are they no longer wanting to pair off? But in 2014, they did another Gallup poll, and they asked millennials, do you want to get married? And they found that 91% did. And college millennials were even higher. I'm sure this is a surprise to all of you. 95% of you wanted to get married. And that's true. If you talk to one another, if you talk about life and what's going on, it will probably drift towards the concept of relationships, of dating. And, and the problem is, as soon as we say, I say the word, we're going to do a dating series. We're going to talk about relationships and dating. For some of you, it's ecstasy. You're like, that's what I'm talking about. Because there's the one this semester that I'm going for, and I just want to know how to nab them, right? And for others of you, it's, it's the worst conversation ever because you're going, there is no one for me. <laughs> and you walk down the, the, the halls of your high school, the streets of, of Texas A&M, and you walk along, and you see two birds floating in pairs, and you're like, see, everyone's got someone but me. And it's terrifying for some of you, but for all of us, I would say relationships are wanted. They're desired by us, but relationships are hurting. Over the past 40 years, um, according to leading marriage indicators, the descriptions of marriage health and satisfaction in the United States have been in steady decline. The divorce rate is twice as much as it was in the 1960s. And in the 1970s, 89% of all births were to two parents, But today, only about 60% of births are to two parents. So why is it that there's this drive to build a relationship, this drive to couple off, but we're pushing it later? 
And as we see the statistics, as we look around, it, it's interesting, even right now, women's average age for getting married is later than their average age for having their first baby. The first time in history, the majority of babies, or a large majority of them are born out of wedlock. And it's, it, it's, just, it's terrifying to see, like there's this desire to couple off, but there's also this fear in what that relationship would look like. And I, and I, I think for most of us, we're, we're seeing people are waiting longer and relationships are lasting shorter. And so I think this is gonna be helpful for us because we're gonna look at for four weeks how to do it well. And in case you're wondering, is that, does it talk about dating in the Bible? No. That is an American cultural thing. But I'll tell you what, there are principles in the Bible that apply across all cultures and all relationships, no matter how you get there. And so there's four areas that I'm gonna focus on in our series. The first one is this, the one myth, that's today. Next week, we're gonna talk about singleness, how to use that time well. Then we're gonna talk about the pursuit, how to look. And fourthly, the plunge, how to jump in to marriage. And we're gonna look at this. But to begin off, I just wanna look at a cultural myth. And it's what I call the one myth. And it's this. The one myth goes like this. If I find the right one, then everything will be all right. If I just find the right one, then everything will be all right. And there's something within us that's deep in our bones that just is looking for the one. And we use words like this. We use phrases like, hey, I just want to find my soulmate. I want to find someone to complete me. And you ask the question, is it true love? And I tell you what, to begin with, the desire for that is good. Proverbs 18.22 says this, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from God. And so finding someone is actually a good thing. There's, there's nothing wrong with finding someone to love. That's not a bad thing. But there are three problems with this myth that I just need to find the right one. And the first problem with it is this, that the one myth assumes that someone can meet all of my needs. I just need to find him or her, and that one can meet all of my needs. There's a book written several years ago by Ernest Becker. He won a Pulitzer Prize, and he, the book is entitled The Denial of Death. And in it, he explains the various ways secular people have dealt with a loss of belief in God. And he says that one way that people deal with that is they look for romance. He calls it the apocalyptic romance. And he writes this, he still needed to, find, to feel heroic, to find that his life mattered in the grand scheme of things. He still had to manage himself with some higher self-absorbing meaning in trust and gratitude. If he no longer had God, how was he gonna do this? One of the first ways that occurred to him was the romantic solution, the self-glorification that he needed in his innermost nature he looked for in a love partner. The love partner became the divine ideal within which to fulfill all of one's life. All spiritual, moral, and physical needs all became focused on one individual. In one word, the love object is God. Man reached for thou when, we, when the worldview of the great religious community has seen that God died. And after all, what is it that we want to elevate it's the love partner. We want redemption from them, nothing less. And if you think about it, 
If you look at our music, if you look at our movies, if you look at our TV, it's all centered on you just got to find the one. And you grew up with this. I mean, think about the fairy tales that you heard. Snow White, Cinderella. What's the story, ladies? As soon as you find that one to kiss you while you're asleep, you will, you will be okay. You'll be saved. You'll be rescued, right? Or as soon as he puts the shoe on your foot, you'll be saved from your life. And guys, we have it too. Beauty and the Beast, Princess and the Frog. What's the message? You're ugly. <laughs> Unless a beauty comes by and tells you your worth while this myth assumes that there's someone out there and if you just find them they'll meet all of your needs and i tell you what it's a myth no one can carry the freight of your emotional physical spiritual desires no one can the second problem with the one myth is this that it assumes that there's someone out there waiting for you to discover there's one out there and you just got to find them and I'm sure you're so thankful for Tinder and all of the different dating apps. And so you don't know across the billions of people on the earth who might be for you. Hopefully they're on Tinder or some other app and you can just swipe you know, through until you find it. Then swipe left. Okay, maybe, maybe you just got to swipe through to find the one. And then it puts all this weird pressure on it. When you start dating someone, you start going out on dates. If they're not the one, I better dump them and run. Otherwise, I'll be miserable because this isn't the right one. I just got to find the one. If this isn't the one, I better dump and run and, and figure out who else could that be. I mean, maybe they're living in, I don't know, a jungle in the middle of, I don't know, this, I, I have no idea where they might be, in Chile. I don't know. Maybe they're there. And so maybe I need to go to the forest of Chile to find the one. And, and it's just this weird world that we get into to go, I'm just not sure which one I need to discover. And the third problem with the one myth is this that the one myth assumes that I'm the right one for someone. I mean, truly, I am the right one for someone. And what the problem with this one myth is this, is that it assumes that relationships are meant to be discovered. They're not something to be built. It assumes that I just need to go find the one. I don't have to build a meaningful relationship. See, the one reality is this, that I may not be the right one for someone. There may be something in me that needs to change. Proverbs 14.1 says it this way, the wise woman builds her house, but the foolish tears it down with her own hands. The wise woman builds her house. She, she constructs her life in a way that makes sense and in a way that, that welcomes people, that, that, that's helpful. But there's, there's foolish people out there that literally tear down their life with their own hands. And you know these people. I mean, it's the athlete that goes off the deep end, right? It's the beauty queen that gets drawn into all sorts of bad situations. It's your roommate that always creates drama on something. There's always something circling around him or her because they tear down their life with their own hands. And it assumes, the one myth assumes that I'm the right one for someone. And the one reality is this, I may not be. Because every relationship you enter into, you should enter into with the expectation of change. The expectation that I may not have all that, I, all that I need to make this one work. I remember uh, years ago, I, had a, I was doing dog training with my, with my dog. I have an Australian shepherd named Faith, and she's so sweet, perfect dog. And we went to dog training because we wanted to get her 
to be a little more obedient, follow our instructions. And I remember going there, and I'm sitting there with all these people with all of their little dogs, and we're sitting there um, just kind of standing, waiting for the trainer to, to tell us instructions. And she would give us instructions, like, okay, walk this way. Okay, click and treat, and then ask her to sit and stay and do all these different things. And then the dog would mess up, inevitably, right? She'd go wander off, sniffing another dog's butt, you know, something like that, and she wasn't, she wasn't staying focused. And then the trainer started correcting me. I'm like, trainer lady, I'm focused on you, right? I am not sniffing other dogs. I am not running and doing what I'm not supposed to do. Like, I'm focused on you. But every time the dog messed up, she corrected me. You know why? Because every relationship you enter, I don't always bring. We don't always bring the best things. There's ways we have to grow. I have to look at myself as a owner, not merely the dog as the problem. Boss and employee. If you're hired in a new position, you go start working at Starbucks or something, they're going to start correcting you. They're going to teach you how to do things. That relationship of boss and employee will assume that you need to change to do this better. Player and a coach. I mean, can you imagine a player going to the coach and saying, Coach, I just want you to love me for who I am. Accept me as I am. Don't ask me to do anything that I don't want to do. I just want you to love me unconditionally and never try to change me. Do you imagine what that coach would say? Give me some push-ups, boy. Like, what is your problem, right? Like, and you'd be like, this relationship doesn't work like that. If you want to get better, you're going to have to grow. You're going to have to change. And the same is true in dating and marriage. If I'm going to be good at dating, if I'm going to be good at being good marriage material, then I have to take a look in here and ask the simple question, am I the right one for someone? And I know for some of you that lands really hard, but it is one of the best questions you can ask yourself. I remember several years ago, um, a good friend of mine, he's a pastor on staff, and he was, a, he was the pastor above me, um, and I worked under him for a while, and his name was Zach Nugliazzo. And he was single into his 30s. And, and I remember at one point in time, he was praying. And he prayed this prayer. God, when will you give me the gift of someone? When will you bless me with someone to, to meet me and, 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 and to love and to care? And he was a good guy. I mean, he was a pastor, right? Good resume. And, and, and he's like, when will you bring someone to me? And he felt one of those sweet, convicting moments that, that you can only have with God when, he's, when he heard the voice of God, not audibly, but in his mind saying, when are you going to be a gift worth giving? And it was at that moment that he just felt crushed, but also hopeful. He said, God cares. God's listening and God's waiting. And instead of focusing on finding the one, chasing after that one, look in here and ask the question, am I growing to become the right one for someone? Not God, when will you, but God, will you make me the right one? And I say that, and I tell, I tell you that the hard part about that simple reality is that some of you will then say, well, God, I will do these things so that you will give me that. I will follow your lead with the expectation that you will provide something for me. But I'll tell you what, before you start chasing down that rabbit trail, I would tell you this. The story of the Bible is the greatest love story ever told. 
of a God of the universe who reached down and rescued you, who ran to you, who wanted you, who gave everything to come to you. And he goes, when are you gonna give me someone to love me? He goes, do you know John 3, 16? For God so loved the world that whoever believes in him shall never perish but have everlasting life. Jesus says, this is eternal life, that you would know me and the Father who sent me. Before you say, when will I find love? Say, look, do you know the one who created love, who has love in abundance? And I would say, before you start going and finding the one, the last thing I would give you is this. You need to find one. Because there's only one who is sent to complete you. It's not a boy. Ladies, have you looked at a boy? He did his best best to bathe before he came here, right? Guys, do you think that girl can complete you? She can't. That is beyond her capabilities. And so what God gives us in the majority of our Bible isn't how-tos on how to find someone. It's instruction on how to grow to become the right one. How to grow to become one that's united with Christ that can live the kind of life he desires us to live. And that's where Colossians comes in perfectly. It says in verse one this, if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on the earth, for you've died And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The first thing that Paul tells us to do, that we have to do, is to first look up. To discover the one that will give you stability in the storms of life. Jesus alone is the anchor for your soul. Do you know how an anchor works? If you've ever been on a boat in the ocean... Oftentimes, a large boat will drop a huge anchor. And I thought the heavy anchor just stabilized the boat because it just hit the bottom of the ocean. But that's not true. How an anchor works is you drop it down and it hooks into something large and hard, helpfully a rock at the base of the ocean to keep you stable. And then the, ro- the, the boat will go up and down if it's not tethered into something. But if you can drop an anchor into something stable, then you won't be moved by the storms, by the waves that hit you. That's what we need in life. Hebrews says it this way. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. You have an anchor in Christ. He will give you stability in life. And I'll tell you what, if you don't have Christ as your anchor of love and the source of your life, you will look to this relationship to fill what it never can. You will look for this relationship to meet every one of your needs. You will be devastated when he or she cannot meet them. And you will allow the ebbs and flow of relationship to send you spinning emotionally. And I'm not saying relationships shouldn't affect you emotionally. They should. But you shouldn't be devastated every time you hit bumps along the way. And the only way to do that is to not look to this source, this relationship to meet all of your needs, because it can't. It was never meant to. 
You lock yourself into Christ who is stable in the midst of the storms of life. And he says, look, you lock into me. You focus your eyes on me and you'll be stable no matter what hits you. I see this is so true in my marriage. Later on, hopefully, 95% of you probably will get married. And if you look to this one to meet all of your needs, you will be disappointed. I cannot meet all of my wife's needs. She cannot meet all of my needs. And you have needs deep in your heart that you aren't even aware of yet. And once you start walking with Jesus, you have stability in the storms of life. Secondly, he moves on to say in verse 3-5 that you purify yourself. Colossians 3, 5 through 7 says this, put to death therefore what is earthly in you, sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you lived in them, when you were in them. You know the best thing you can spend your time doing as you're waiting to prepare yourself to become the one is to start living a pure life now. And I know some of you said like, okay, Kevin, I just need to get married because then all my sexual desires will be fulfilled in this one. Isn't that why we're getting married? And my simple answer to you would be, no, they won't. I'll just give you one example as part of marriage. When she gets pregnant, you're married. You're not gonna be having sex as much. It's part of the deal. You have to learn how to control your sexual urges even in marriage. It is not the, the get-out-of-jail-free card, right? I just need to get married and then all my sexual desires be filled. Negative. Start now because that's gonna be part of your relationship later on. And if you're fighting an intention and you're not having emotional or relational intimacy, if you can't be pure, you're going to look for it, look for it in the arms of someone else. And I'll tell you what, this purity in life is something that needs to be part of all of life. So are you focused inward and say, hey, I'm gonna look in here. I'm gonna put to death what is earthly, the sexual morality, the impurity, the passion, the covetousness. I'm gonna get in and fight these things so that when I step into a relationship, I know this is not gonna be a temptation that pulls me away. I'm gonna fight for purity. And thirdly, he says this in verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, as the Lord has forgiven you. The third thing I would ask you to practice is to put on a forgiving, loving, compassionate heart. You want to have something that just primes you for a relationship? when you're patient, when you're forgiving, when you're compassionate. And you go like, well, Kevin, how the heck do I practice those things if I don't have that significant other person to practice them on? I need that. You know what God has graciously given most of you? Roommates. And I'll tell you what, relationships are, are true regardless of, of gender in that you have to practice forgiveness, patience, 
bearing with one another, forgiving one another, doing the dishes when you don't want to, doing laundry for someone else when you're not excited about it. There's all sorts of things that you're gonna have to do in marriage that God has graciously given you, troublesome roommates to practice on right now. And so the three things to focus on in growing to become the one is to look first to the only one that can meet your needs, that you anchor yourself into him as your source, that you, secondly, purify, look to purify yourself. You, you grow in the discipline of self-control by the power of the Spirit. And thirdly, lastly, you put on Christ as his chosen ones, holy and beloved. And the last one he says, I want you to put on Christ because you're chosen, you're holy, and you're beloved. Let me say that one more time. You put on Christ because you're holy. You're separate. You're, you're, you're unlike anything else. You're chosen. You're, you're, you're picked. You don't have to wait in line for someone to pick you. You're picked. And you're loved. You are deeply loved by the Lord of the universe. And when I said that statement that, hey, I may not be the right one for anyone right now, some of you took that to heart and, and some of you beat yourself up because you do not believe that you're wholly chosen and deeply loved. And you so look for someone else to meet those needs. And you ask the question, Kevin, I don't even know that I'll ever be ready. I don't know if I can ever do those things. But I'll tell you what, God is a God who loves those that make a wreck of their life. There's one moment when Jesus goes to the woman at the well. He says, hey, where's your husband? And she's like, well, he's not here right now. He's like, yeah, you're right. Because you had seven husbands. And the guy you were sleeping with right now, he's not your husband either. He says, you're looking for, for living water. You're looking for water to quench your thirst and you, you're pursuing it sexually, you're pursuing it relationally, but I tell you, it's not gonna meet it. But if you come to me, I'm the source of living water. And he invites her in to a love relationship with him. The book of Hosea. The whole story of Hosea is an allegory, but a reality of God's pursuit of his people. Hosea is a prophet and his wife willingly goes to sell herself as a prostitute and he buys her back several times off the prostitution block communicating God's love for those who constantly run from him. You know, God has picked you. He's chosen you this morning. He's the anchor of your souls. He loves you and welcomes you into a love relationship with him and as you grow to become his, you become ready to give to someone else and you become a great gift. Don't be drawn into one myth. Lock yourself in to the true and only one who can complete you, Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you so much for this morning, and I thank you that, that God, we may not be the right one right now, but by your grace, we can grow to be fully loved and I know that there's some of us here this morning that have never put our faith in you, Jesus, for the forgiveness of our sins. We've never experienced the love that only you can give. And so I pray this morning that this would be the decision. This would be the day that they say, Father, I've been chasing everything to fill this hole, but only you can. 
I believe, Jesus, that you died on the cross for my sins to forgive me and bring me to you. If that's you, I encourage you, please tell your table this morning that you prayed that prayer. For the rest of us, Lord, I know that we make idols in our hearts. We chase so many things to meet the needs that only you can meet. So, I, Lord, I pray that as we begin this dating series, that we might lock ourselves into you, Jesus, the one who will stabilize us in every circumstance in life, that we might become and grow to be, be people that love and forgive as you have forgiven us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, you turned your tables. Have some great discussion. Hello, and welcome to the Grace College Podcast. My name is Kevin Barra. And I'm Jacob Smith, and we are so glad that you have decided to join us as we are digging a little bit deeper into the sermons, uh, and we're talking a little bit about what's coming up in our ministry. That's right. We kicked off a dating series uh, for the for the, our, uh, our spring semester. Oh, man. We're going to be doing four weeks uh, talking kicked. about relationships, <laughs> and it has been so fun to oh kick this gosh. off. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's always fun to start a new semester, um, but to start a new semester talking about dating and marriage and sex and just mm-hmm. all that good stuff, man, there's really no better way. <laughs> I mean, Jacob, do you think college students are thinking about dating you know, relationships? You wouldn't believe it. Is that a felt need? <laughs> you wouldn't believe it. Uh, but, yeah, I just kind of felt like the spirit was putting it on my heart mm. uh, to, like, start thinking about it. Yeah, actually, it was fun. So, you know, people know— College students want to talk about relationships. I mean, it's it's yep. sort of you just can't really you can't help but sort of feel that aura uh, in from your twenties, in your <laughs> right relationships. Yes, you, you're they're in the mix. And but what I thought was so fun was we got a chance to do a survey. So we had a a survey for both of our rooms uh, mm-hmm. yesterday uh, after the or at some point in the service. Um, and man, it was like I knew it would be a lot of people yeah. that were like either wanting to get married mm-hmm. or are like single and looking into the dating world. But my goodness, mm-hmm. uh, what we found was <laughs> about 70% of both of Southwood and Anderson, about 70% uh, is single, which yep. kind of surprised me. Um, and there was like a, there was a single meaning they're not dating. Right. So anyone. not in a relationship. Right. Um, now I thought that was so fascinating because there was like a, a small section of each of those was like, and I'm good. With right. that, you know, like I don't need, I'm not looking. Uh, but the major, the vast majority of that chunk was like, yeah, and I'm, I'm kind of on the OTP. I'm on the prowl right now. I'm on the prowl. <laughs> I'm looking. That's why I'm here. Do you have this- <laughs> someone for me? Uh, because right, what we found was that in the survey, we also asked about like people's desire to get married. Right. And each of us, each of us, right. There was one person in each in each campus that said, no, I don't want to get married. So I had one out of 950 (laughs) students say, no, I don't want that. I do not want to get married. These other 949 people may disagree with me, but I'm standing my ground. And I think that person might come around. I'm going to try to win them. That's (laughs) that's my goal. Hey, not everyone needs to get married. And Uh, that person has already chosen. It is not for me. They've made the decision. But 99% of the room... I think it's interesting what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think 99% of the people in the room are saying dating is a priority. Yeah. And, oh, my goodness, I think about it 
all the time. Yeah, it's definitely it's a felt need. It's something that it's it's fun to get to talk about it. Um, you know, it's 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 interesting because it's one of those topics that you're not going to like approach a twenty something and say like, hey dating and they're gonna be like oh, I, uh, I have no opinions on that like everyone kind of knows what they think mm-hmm. and what they want mm-hmm. um, and so it's it's a very interesting thing to get to speak into because I think a lot of times when you're unpacking theology or certain texts a lot of people times people are approaching it with a blank slate they're like yeah I don't well gosh I've never read Jeremiah 3 you know like I, I'm not sure right. what I think about that passage but man as soon as you bring up singleness or dating or marriage people are like oh yeah don't worry I have like a 72 point plan for how to secure my soulmate. Like right. I, I know, I know what's up. So, right. No, and it's going to be so good. I mean, and, and the, the truth of the matter is, as we look across both, both campuses and as we have looked at our surveys, we see that not everyone is going about the right way. There's some broken paths in this, in these relationships. And so we'll be able to talk yeah. about those statistics a little bit more and mm-hmm. use them in some of our sermons forthcoming. So please come back and, and you'll actually get to hear more about what you have said, mm-hmm. what what your peers have talked about in terms of relationship and sexuality and, and all those things. So it'll be interested, interesting to talk about. It'll be really fun. Yeah. And, yeah. And it was cool to just look at what we did talk about yesterday. And even though we kind of diverged in terms of our the paths that we took, we got to the same destination, right. essentially, right. which you summed up really well. Yeah. So really, we landed at the same point in both of our in both of our talks, and it's it's simply this, that seek, seeking a companion is a good thing. Like seeking to be connected is a is a mm. gift from God. And it, it Proverbs, it says, hey, he, he who finds a, a wife finds a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's not a bad thing to want to find a companion, but finding this one isn't the ultimate thing. Mm-hmm. It's not the only thing. And so for, in both of our messages, we basically wanted to highlight that that if you're looking for one person to meet all of your needs, satisfy all of your desires, uh, make you feel complete and whole, that is actually a broken path yes. in relationships. And and the first relationship to get settled, um, we call people too, and you may disagree, but is to focus on your relationship with Christ first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And it's from that fountainhead, fountainhead from from receiving the love of of Jesus that you then have the the unlimited resources of love and compassion and care through which to love another human being. And uh, and if you if you go outside of that, if you try to muster it up yourself, you're actually going to find yourself in a in a tough spot. Um, yeah. because we're all gonna find moments when we don't want to forgive. <laughs> we don't wanna respond in compassion, but it's through the love of Christ that gives us the ability to love someone else. Yeah. Generally, people don't promise to give you everlasting joy and peace and contentment. If they right. do, they are a liar. Right. <laughs> that is right. not within their power. Right. Uh, but Jesus Christ promises it, and he actually can back it up. Uh, right. So it's, yeah, it's 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 a fun need to get to address. But right, I think what we'll probably come to pretty much every week is like, hey, don't forget this relationship is second. Like it's right. it's a one rung down on this ladder mm-hmm. um, compared to being right with God and having that relationship yeah. uh, set up. So yeah. we are excited to continue over the next three weeks in this series. Uh, we're mm-hmm. also excited because we've got a lot of in our ministry just kicking off right now. We have our small groups, for example. It, right. It's starting up this Thursday mm-hmm. on uh, at 7 o'clock. So this Thursday is January uh, 24, 26th. And it is going to be uh, kind of a launch 
you know, for all of our small groups kind of in a lot of different locations spread around um, either on campus, off campus, all that stuff. And, and if you are interested in that, you can go online. Yep. And sign up, um, and we will. We'll also have probably some people at our campuses that are there in case you want to just show up because you're afraid of the internet. But um, it's it's going to be a lot of fun getting that launched. Yep, it's going to be uh, great. And and the next one uh, is our summer missions. So if you're uh, yeah. interested in participating in summer missions, uh, we strongly encourage you. We got some great partnerships, and we send people all over the world. Mm-hmm. So we strongly encourage you to check us out mm-hmm. and uh, and learn more about that at www.grace-bible.org. Yep. Hey, thank you so much for joining us on the Grace College Podcast. You have a great week. Thanks.